Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long at 540. Steve Geller will join us for Triple Option. We've had a couple of texters and people asking about what we talked a little bit about last night about Malik Murphy leaving the Texas program. Uh, he's got a lot of teams very interested in him. I would say you, you're talking about at least two dozen teams that have real interest in Malik Murphy now. And you wonder if LSU will get involved here. Because of the fact, M.J. Morris, who was a guy that LSU had an interest in um, from North Carolina State, he verbally committed to Maryland today. Uh, so one off the board, Raleigh Leonard already has committed to Notre Dame. Yeah, that was expected. From, from Duke, that was expected. But M.J. Uh, Morris uh, leaving North Carolina State, going to Maryland. Malik Murphy will have a lot of people interested in him. Uh, at quarterback, uh, he's got some movement skills, but man, he can throw the football. He's got man, he got a gun. He can hum it downfield. I, well, I mean, this is just another player in a loaded transfer portal class for quarterback, Mike. We've talked no about question. it for for weeks, and so if you're LSU, you've mentioned it multiple times, Mike. You're going to go get one. I know that Garrett Nussmeyer is expected to be the guy this upcoming year, and we'll talk with Glenn West about this as well. But you need to have someone there to at least with compete some experience. for the job. Yes, exactly. Because you never know. There's a ton of names. Okay, like, okay. just think about when you know Jaden Daniels hit the scene here. Uh, Brian had just talked Miles Brennan into staying. Right, I remember that. Uh, you know, at that stage, and and you had a young uh, Nussmar, but he, he talked him into staying, and it didn't prohibit him from going out and get Jaden Daniels. No, and I mean, it shouldn't prohibit him from going out and getting another transfer portal guy with, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer in the wings. I mean, he's expected to get the job, but if you go get, you know, some stud in the in the portal, which I think you can, uh, because there's not, not really much else in that room outside that, of Nussmeyer. Because also to the lure of, man, you had Burrow, Jaden, oh, yeah. and, and look that offense. And at, the wide receiver and talent And all in the wide receivers mm-hmm. in the state of Louisiana, and talking about that, I had a little bit of information on this yesterday, but I could not confirm it. But uh, Hayes Fawcett uh, confirmed it today that Will Shepard, and many of you uh, watched him play. He was from Mandeville, uh, went to Mandeville High School, and had a really good three-year run at Vanderbilt. He caught 21 touchdown passes for Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt ain't lighting it up throwing the football. He's verbally committed to Primetime, Colorado. Colorado. Man, Colorado. Interesting. Have, I think they've signed either four or five offensive linemen uh, or got commitments from them. I was just about to bring up you know, another kind of selling point that Brian Kelly can use to bring in a strong portal quarterback is the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line for LSU was a strength this year, but you're also returning your two guards or your two tackles that have started both as freshmen and now sophomores. They're going to be juniors this upcoming year with Campbell and Jones. I mean – but if I'm looking of, for somebody, I might try to get an experienced center, though. Uh, I think that freshman 
from Georgia might be the guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're saying it, Mike. The offensive line is strong. You, you got all this wide receiver talent in Louisiana. You've seen what two portal quarterbacks have done leading the Tigers' offense. It's it's a strong selling point to go out and get one. And I mean, it's a loaded portal class. Yeah, give me, so go give me get a, one. Give me a couple of defensive linemen and cornerbacks, and uh, uh, you, you need a quarterback. And I yes. think they will sign a receiver too. I think there's a couple and uh, with some Louisiana ties that, uh, that may kind of zip in here. But Will Shepard, uh, who was from Mandeville High School, had a really great career there. Goes to Vanderbilt uh, again in a three-year run. 21 touchdown passes for the Commodores. Has verbally committed to Colorado and Deion Sanders. We were talking about this a little bit off the air, but uh, with Draymond Green, <laughs> and you see it, and and it it reached the heights, and then now uh, this indefinite this suspension on him, and you can see a guy in the trail end of his career, and it is really starting to escalate now, where his skills aren't the same, and so now you you going another direction here. That's what Yusuf Nurkic said. He needs help. I mean, he's indefinitely suspended from the NBA. I don't see it ending anytime soon. It shouldn't end anytime soon. And they're finally putting their foot down. This guy's just acted like a punk on the floor for far too long. And he's, he's gotten away Golden with it. I think Golden State should have stepped in. Well, Golden State's been doing all they can to you know cover their eyes, cover their ears. Yeah, they don't want to know oh, nothing Kerr, about it. I don't it. see anything. I, I, haven't, I didn't see it. I need to rewatch it. Like, get out of here, man. But, I mean, to your point about Golden State, we were talking about this off air too, Mike. The difference between the 10 seed Suns and the 11 seed Warriors right now is the same difference as the 10 seeded Suns to the three seeded Mavericks in the <laughs> That's West. That's unbelievable. I remember we talked about it last year because the West was really tightly congested. But the Pelicans' schedule right now, and I mean, we kind of previewed this a little bit last hour, but if you're looking at after they just blew out, you know, a 3 1 Wizard squad, you expected to do that even without Zion. You're facing a Hornets team that's terrible. The Spurs on the road, the Spurs only had three wins as well. And then you have a stretch of at home against the Grizzlies, on the road against the Cavaliers, which is probably the toughest game in the stretch. And then you host the Rockets. The Rockets are much better at home than they are on the road. They're very beatable away from, you know, Houston. Then you host the Grizzlies again. You host the Jazz, who you can't beat, but you got to figure out a way to beat this Jazz team because they're not good. I mean, you have almost half their wins yeah, are against matched you. matched up well against them. The Pelicans just can't beat the Jazz. Nah, it I is an anomaly that I just can't even explain. <clears throat> you no, know, listen, Charlie, I've done this for a long time, and you can't explain it in any sport where even players change, coaches change, but there's one team you, you just, just can't don't beat. match up well against. It's ridiculous. And then you wrap up December by hosting the Lakers and hopefully trying to get revenge from that in-season tournament semifinal loss. But if you're looking at that stretch, Mike, I mean, there, there's a lot, a lot of winnable games. And in, when you're looking at the Western Conference standings and you see the Thunder are second in the West at 15-7, and seven, you're right behind at 14 and 11. You're one win behind. Now you're four losses behind of the loss column. So you're in total, you know, about two and a half games back of the Thunder. But one win behind. If you can start stacking some wins in December against a pretty soft schedule, you can see this Pelicans team really skyrocket up the West standings. Now it's early on in the year. There's still months and months of NBA basketball left to play. Uh, but this is a great opportunity. Even if Zion misses a couple games, which he might, he's questionable for this upcoming game against the Hornets. You still expect them to make some movement in the in the Western Conference standings, just because soft schedule, a lot of space to maybe go on a run. And if you're at around 20 wins by the end of December, you should be around anywhere from four to six in the West. Yeah, you would think so, Charlie. You really would. And I hope they get to that point uh, because it is going to be condensed from now all the way to the end of the year. You're going to see it tightening up. It was a similar. It was similar, similar last, last year. year. But, exact I mean, this same year thing. it is really like I mean. 
there's a big gap between those top 10 teams and maybe the Warriors at 11. Like they they might have a chance to be a play-in squad this year. They're not playing very well. But outside of that, I mean the Jazz, Trailblazers, Grizzlies, Spurs, no shot this year. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And Glenn West, senior writer for Go247.com, talking about the early signing period and also the SEC schedule right after this break here on the Big 870. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long and on our Oakland Hardjula's Talk and Text line, the senior writer for Go247.com, Glenn West. Glenn, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Before we get into SEC schedule talk and signing period, man, a, a big congratulations to Tommy Moffitt. Uh, getting on now. I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm crazy about him going to A&M, but man, he's one of the premier uh, strength and conditioning coaches in the country, and it's not because he couldn't get a job over the last couple of years. He sort of opted not to because I know he had some offers there. But you know, I'm not a big guy into uh, this Bruce Springsteen uh, glory days stuff. Let's bring back this coach and that coach because he was great uh, four or five years ago. Uh, but man, Tommy Moffat, he's still a premier. Uh, strength and conditioning coach today. Congratulations to him. I hate to see him go to A&M, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I think it's a great hire for them. Um, you know, I kind of joined the beat towards the end of his tenure uh, at LSU. Uh, was there from uh, when, you know, kind of started with 17 with Orgeron. And, uh, but, you know, obviously I knew the greatness that he had for many, many years uh, as the strength and conditioning coach there. And you're right. I think he probably just needed a little bit of a reset uh, after LSU made the most uh, recent coaching change and wasn't retained. So uh, I, I agree. A&M got a really good one here. And uh, certainly, um, you know, he's a guy that I think is very well, you know, up to date with the modern technologies and how to improve his athletes. So uh, I'm sure they're, They'll, uh, they'll, they'll reap the benefits of all that stuff. And then, Tommy, if you're listening, I know you're going to get paid well at A&M. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to oh, yeah. get paid real well there. Glenn, uh, I'll throw it right off the bat about the transfer portal because Charlie and I were talking about this. I think uh, it's not going to be the numbers we've seen the last few years, but this team has to go out and get a couple cover corners. they got to get a couple defensive linemen. I think a quarterback uh, with some experience, some experience at the collegiate level has to be brought in. I think they will bring in also a wide out uh, with some experience there. What are the positions, and if you agree with with those parts, um, and what other positions do you think they would look at? Would center be a spot? Because 
uh, most likely you're going to start a young man. Now, he's had some playing time, but, boy, he's a big man at center. And I know one thing, Brian, he had told me about, man, I, I love a big center. Uh, I, I like a big guy in the middle. Uh, is Would that also be a spot that they would look for in the transfer portal? Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of the positions there. Um, I, I would certainly put uh, secondary, cornerback, and safety. I think that's going to be a position that they address uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I, I think they're going hard after a couple of guys uh, that they'd really like to, to, to shore up the back half of that defense with. And uh, you'll see a common theme. There's a lot of Louisiana talent that I think they're looking to bring back uh, into the program, which has been a common theme for Brian Kelly these first few years. Uh, when they have gone into the portal. But, um, yeah, I would certainly start with the secondary. I would certainly uh, put uh, receiver. Uh, I think you're looking at uh, a guy like Xavion Thomas, who is a Mississippi State uh, transfer and, and has already been on LSU's campus. I think they like the way that visit went and would expect some movement on that pretty soon as well. Uh, and then, yeah, defensive line, offensive line, I think you definitely need to beef up. Uh, the, the interior D line in particular, I think they're still, you know, kind of sorting through uh, exactly who they'd like to kind of target and go after on the D line. But would imagine that's an area you have to address. They just brought in uh, Gabriel Relaford out of the 2024 class, which was a big pickup for them uh, to kind of get that flip from Texas A&M. Um, so so they, they've kind of addressed it a little bit. But and shown also. Uh, oh, yeah. Washington. And shown Washington. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's a, that was a big one, too, with the JUCO pickup. Uh, of Washington and then yeah offensive line I would definitely consider uh, an interior guy Um, I think that you're certainly looking at Charles Turner and possibly Miles Frazier and uh, maybe even Garrett Dellinger I mean there could be some turnover there in the interior of that O-line and I know they feel really good about DJ Chester but I I do think you'd like to probably add you know one guy uh, to kind of really shore up the interior of that D-line or uh, O-line excuse me but uh, the quarterback is going to be the really interesting one here, and, and, and I kind of saved it for last just because I do think there's going to be a very specific kind of quarterback that they target in this uh, in, in the portal. It's going to be a guy that's you know, two or three years left of eligibility. You, you kind of want to be able to bridge that gap where you don't run the risk of losing Nussmeyer because then you're in the exact same position that you kind of entered the portal to begin with. Uh, you know, but I, I do think it's going to be somebody you want to bring in to, to develop and compete uh, with Nuss for that job, but uh, also is okay with, with being a backup for a little while uh, and kind of bridging that gap between the young guys and obviously with what you got coming back with Garrett Nussmeyer. How many people do you expect? Because, I mean, we'll have a, a coverage certainly starting today with you and then all throughout uh, the end of this week and early next week uh, for signing period, but uh, doesn't it seem as though this will be a class that will be in the mid-20s uh, Wednesday uh, by the end of the day? Yeah. So, I mean, I think they're expecting to sign all 27 of their commits uh, next, uh, I guess, whatever, December 20th is next Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, the, the, they're going to sign all 27 of their freshman uh, class next, next Wednesday. Um, and so I would expect there to be – um, you know, there's there's not a whole ton of movement that I think we're expecting in terms of new guys that could join the class between now and then. But uh, there are still a couple that are going to wait until the February signing period. Uh, Katie Ann is Dominic McKinley's one to watch. Uh, Terry Bussey is an athlete, a five-star athlete out of Timpson, Texas, just put over, just put up over uh, you know, 500 yards in a state title game. 
uh, and they're recruiting him as a, as a cornerback. So, uh, you know, he's, he's somebody that has definitely got a lot of versatility in his game as well. So just a couple names there to keep an eye on in the high school ranks. But um, I, I do think it's going to be a relatively smaller transfer portal class because of that. You're looking at probably seven, eight, nine guys uh, as opposed to the 14 or 15 they were bringing in the previous two years, which is a good thing. I mean, it's something that Brian Kelly has preached uh, for a while now, that they'd like to kind of whittle that you know transfer portal class down and, and really lean into the freshman class and build it that way. Glenn, your early thoughts on the 2024 schedule, which was just released yesterday. I mean, you're playing USC and UCLA in those first four weeks, but then the SEC schedule as well. Mike and I were talking about this last you know, our no Auburn just it just doesn't feel right, does it? I mean, there's so many classic games in this rivalry between LSU and Auburn uh, back when the SEC West was a thing, but now that game's not on the schedule. You're playing two, you know, schools that are moving from the Pac 12 now to the Big Ten with USC and UCLA, but then also you're wrapping up the year with a really nice game against Oklahoma. So, just kind of your general thoughts on this uh, schedule at a glance, Glenn. Uh, you know, I always hope for fall weather late in September. But uh, this coming year, I hope it is as hot yeah, and right. steamy as it can be <laughs> when them Bruins when them Bruins hit there, man. Because they they're not yeah. they're used to the heat, but not this kind of heat. Yeah, they're not used to the humidity for sure. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be one of those ones where they're going to leave their jackets at home for sure. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just a quick glance. I, I think it you know the way that shakes out is really good for LSU. I love that you get three of the final four games at home again like what like much like this year especially if you're kind of in the picture for a, a college football playoff remember it goes to 12 teams next year so uh, you could be playing some big time football down the stretch of next season so having three of those four games at home uh, Alabama Vanderbilt Oklahoma to finish off the year uh, really really like that I like the fact that you get to keep Florida in the schedule, I mean, I, I've always loved that matchup. Florida LSU has yep. always been one that, since at least I've been watching, has always been super competitive going back to the mid-2000s. So really like the way that the, the SEC part of the schedule's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, lined up for LSU. I think, you know, having to go to Arkansas and A&M is probably your, you know, your, your toughest uh, two-game stretch on the road. They haven't, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that, that's a – a&M is always going to be a, a really tough one. I think that's probably their biggest, uh, you know, most recent rival. Um, but really like the beginning part of the schedule, too. I mean, they didn't schedule many cupcakes in this season, and I think that's, uh, that's, that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for fans to, to see that USC game, to see that UCLA game, um, you know, uh, and, and, and I, I think it's going to be a, should be a really fun, interesting year next year. I mean, year three is kind of the year that Brian Kelly pegged. Is okay. This sure is did. You're right. This is this is when we think we're going to be able to make our run, where we're going to get in the kind of players we want. Uh, obviously, they've got a lot of work to do on the defensive side of the ball, uh, but there's some momentum brewing for the program offensively. And if you can just get the defense up to a more respectable, consistent level, I think you're you're really going to be in good shape for next year. Glenn, you kind of led me into it. Uh, you know, you hear different things from different people, but. There has to be a shakeup on that staff defensively. Uh, after what you watched last year, uh, you can point a finger at the players, but also to the coaching. Uh, you didn't see this team get better throughout the year at all. And uh, something has to happen there. Uh, what are you hearing, or, or exactly, Connor? Because maybe you're hearing like me. Uh, one day it's uh, Matt House is staying, the next day he's not. But they got to be a shakeup on this staff on the defensive side of the football. 
Yeah, I, I do think there's going to be some shakeup. I don't think it's going to be a complete teardown like I think many want on that side of the ball. And, you know, I think that goes into kind of what Kelly wants this year, too. I mean, he's also preached uh, about having some level of continuity returning, uh, not just with personnel, but also, I think, on the coaching staff side as well. And so, um, I, I do think there's going to be some shakeup. I wouldn't be surprised if you uh, see a new D-line coach come in, for example. I think that could be one uh, because they have kind of shifted Jimmy Lindsay, who was the D-line coach, to more of an administrative role since he kind of uh, had that really medical emergency and hasn't been able to put in the, the full-time work yet as a D-line coach. So maybe that's something that you address uh, this offseason I uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a secondary coach, whether it's corners or safeties, comes in and kind of shake things up. But, um, you know, look, I, I, right now, the way that this is feeling for me, and this is not source, not reporting, this is just me kind of educated guests looking at the program and just kind of what everything is kind of encapsulated, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Matt House returns next year. I, I do think that there's a lot of respect for him in that building still, uh, I know that Brian Kelly and, uh, and him work well together. So um, would, would, would not be surprised if that's a move that is is, is, is decided. Um, but you also got to have your ducks in a row if, if, um, if that does wind up happening. I think that's, that's all stuff that Brian Kelly is considering right now. There's a lot of factors that go into it. The special teams part of the game, and um, it was better than a year ago, but could it have been worse? Uh, you know, the, the place kicker, I mean, uh, I give Ramos a lot of credit. He, he was pretty doggone good this year uh, when he got yeah. an opportunity to kick field goals. Uh, but that, that part of the game still is lacking for LSU in the return game. That, that, to me, is a little bit troubling because of the athletes that you have on that team that could be a difference maker, expected a lot especially of in the Anderson. punt return game where Aaron, you saw him fumble the ball. But I think they didn't trust their defense and it was like, man, we can't turn it over. And so Aaron got you know, a couple of shots, and then that was it. Nothing after that. Something has to happen there because, Glenn, there's too many really good athletes on this team, guys that could be difference makers in a return game, that you're not getting a lot of, out of that. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I think that you saw some real progress with Ramos. I think that was a good sign. Look, LSU only punted it just over 20 times this year with Bramblett. So, like, the offense was so good that they really didn't need the punt game much uh, for, for this last year. But you got Peyton Todd coming up, who's been in the program for three or four years now, and I think that they're finally ready to hand the reins off to him as the punter. Um, but, you know, I, I absolutely think this is going to come down to the return game, and I think it's why you're seeing LSU pursue a guy like Xavion Thomas so heavily. He's somebody that – impacted the game not only in kick returns but on punt returns last year for Mississippi State. Um, had a big, I believe it was a big kickoff return against Texas A&M in a game that they ended up winning. So, um, you know, they, 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 they need to address that for sure. And then, you know, I think that Aaron Anderson is a guy that maybe just needs some more time uh, to ripen up as a, as a return man. I think he makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of coming back and what you got as an athlete to, to fill that spot. But, I think they're going to do all their homework here and, and do their due diligence and try to see if they can't bring in somebody else to help compete for that job and try to get some more consistency out of it because uh, you, you did see Caleb Jackson, you know, in, in the kickoff game. He had a couple moments where he flashed, but, um, you know, I, I certainly know that LSU would love to get some more consistent production in terms of flipping the field and 
uh, just having some more playmakers back there. All I know is Caleb Jackson. I know exactly where he'd be on my team next year. He's my yeah. starting running back. He's going to be man. That, that dude. Uh, you can see if you're looking at a young star player on LSU's roster, it's Caleb Jackson. Just give him the reps. Yeah, yeah. There aren't many more players that I would die stock into right now more than Caleb Jackson. I think he's right at the top of that list uh, offensively for LSU. Glenn, thanks so much for joining us. I know, man, the next couple of weeks will be, uh, you know, it's just holiday season, but ain't no holiday season <laughs> with all this transfer portal stuff. So I know you'll keep us up to date on everything at go247.com. Yes, we will. I appreciate you guys for having me. Thanks. Thanks, thanks so Glenn. much. Glenn West, senior writer at go247.com. We'll be back for triple option right after this break here on the Big 870. Back here on sports talk here on the big 870 mike to tell you along with steve geller who joins us now charlie long also and it's time now for wwl's triple option feature where each of us give our top takes on the top stories in sports and is brought to you by lambert zaney representing injured maritime workers for over 40 years steven you go first well, gentlemen, I was looking over at the ESPN.com website, and of course I see the analytics talking about the NFC playoff picture. Uh, percentage right now, gentlemen, for the black and gold, 39% to make the playoffs. I didn't think it'd be that high. I was surprised, too. <laughs> uh, you see right now, the um, obviously, uh, San Fran, Dallas, Philadelphia, all at 99. <laughs> They're in uh, the Detroit Lions at 97%. Uh, behind them, though, gets a little jumbled here with Minnesota at 63, Green Bay 48, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 43, yes. L.A. Rams 41, and then below the Saints at 37% uh, Falcons. Yeah, uh, and the Tampa didn't surprise me. Bob was like, Mike, if, if they win the division, I'm going to give you credit. <laughs> yeah, you called this. that, that they, may, they may steal it. Uh, but um, the good thing – Three of the four remaining opponents that the Saints them. have, you're playing them, right? So you can take care of business on that. Right, so those percentage points can obviously fluctuate oh. pretty dramatically. Uh, in these next, next week you'll games. be able to do uh, <laughs> uh, the triple option feature on the next percentage part of that. Uh, Charlie, you're next. So we were just talking with Glenn about the schedule for LSU this upcoming season in 2024 and how you know there's some tough opponents on there, guys. But one thing that really stuck out to me was when I was looking at it for Florida – their schedule has got to be the toughest in the country. Poor Billy Napier. I mean, oh. I'm a big Billy Napier fan, guys, with what he did with my Cajuns. Okay, for you're not buying years. stock on Billy. Are I'm you? not buying stock in this upcoming season. Just, just based you. off of their schedule. I mean, they close out the year, guys, uh, against Georgia. And then at Texas, that Georgia game, obviously, it's played annually in Jacksonville. At Texas, uh, against LSU, at home in the Swamp, against Ole Miss in the Swamp, and then at Florida State. Those, I mean, is there a tougher final five-game stretch in the country than that? I'll read it again. Georgia at Texas versus LSU versus Ole Miss at Florida State. That's rough on Billy. That is brutal. I mean, Billy's yeah. entering his third year at Florida. and He ain't going to see a fourth. I, I'm, I'm worried that Not that, that might be the case because this this is just a brutal schedule. Unless there's some ridiculous turnaround this upcoming year. They weren't bowl eligible this year. We talked about it, Mike, about their ending schedule, uh, how this year was really rough and how we didn't think that they would reach six wins. They nope. fell just short of it. This upcoming schedule in 2024 is not very favorable for Billy and the Gators either. Better get the rosary beads out and pray to the man upstairs. He gets Joe Burrow or Jaden Daniels part two on that. Uh, my part is uh, 
Looking at the numbers, teams with the highest percentage of drives in the NFL that ends up in an offensive score. I was going to do this yesterday, but Bear was there, so I didn't want to uh, really break him. The Cowboys are number one with 53% of their drives end up with an offensive score. The 49ers are 45.4. That's a big gap between 53 and 45-4. Eagles 43-8. I know, Steve, you'll like that. Dolphins 43.2. And the Bills 42.6. So one and five play this week. Cowboys-Bills. Get ready for the over. It's actually kind of funny because Ed had the under. It had the <laughs> under half. on it. I mean, okay. it, it is a big line. It's a big a line. Is a lot of points. At 50 and a half. Teams with the lowest percentage. Guess who's dead last? It should be easy. Carolina. The Jets. Patriots. Okay. Ooh, okay. 20.8. Who's second to last? Carolina then. Jets. Saints play them. Oh. The Giants. only 21.3% of their drives end up in an offensive score. The Panthers are next, though, so you you got the three spot right. 26.2%, Jets 26.5%, and the poor Steelers 27.5%. Now, a lot of people would have said, oh, come on, the Saints got to be in there. But they're not. They're not in that bottom five. But who's second to last? The team you see Sunday. Dun, dun, dun. And so you you wonder a little bit about why that line has sort of fluctuated, continually going up. Man, catch that bet. They know a little bit more about this than you and I do. <laughs> uh, I guarantee you that. That's a wrap on Triple Option, brought to you by Lambert Zaney, representing injured maritime workers for over 40 years. Join us every day in the 5 o'clock hour for the top takes on sports right here on the Sports Powerhouse WWL. We'll be back to end up our number two here on Sports Talk. We're finishing up here in our number two of Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Steve Geller and Charlie Long at 7 o'clock. Thursday night football, the barn burner. Los Angeles Chargers play the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Allen is inactive tonight. He's got a quad injury, but Devontae Smith is active tonight. So people playing fantasy football. Oh, yeah. And with Devontae, again, though, man, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued with Aiden uh, O'Connell because uh, Drew Brees told me, he said, Mike, he can play. He can play in this league. Now, can they protect him? Is going to be the big part, and you, you don't have see how the running game is going to be. Are we uh, seeing the uh, the finale of uh, Staley over there and with the L.A. Chargers? Yeah, I think it's all over for Brandon. Uh, I think it's all over. Should be. Uh, man, he's had every opportunity, and that roster is loaded. Man, I'd want to go coach there. You talk about disappointments, right? It's been huge for the Chargers. Major, major disappointments. We'll be back with another hour of sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this news break. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.